get a chance to see you in all the chaos that's going to happen after the service. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And I'll def we'll definitely miss you. For those of you who are staying, great. We got another Christmas service coming. We'll talk. I'll hopefully get a chance to take everyone's hand. There's going to be a lot happening after the service, so I just want to extend that now before I forget. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Now, I'm not going to be nearly as cute reading it as the kids did, but I will do my best. And as an introduction, we are doing an Advent series. And as I said before, just to remind people, Advent is a Latin term, Adventus meaning arrival or coming. So Advent in, in, in much of the Christian world, it's celebrated the four weeks leading up to Christmas Day. And there are kind of four major themes, which are hope, peace, joy, and love. And Advent's a time where you're looking back, right, to Jesus' birth, as we sing many of these songs, but also looking forward to his second coming, because Jesus comes back in power. Actually, technically, the Joy to the World song is a second coming song of Jesus, right? Let no more thorns and sorrows. Like, when Jesus comes back, that's exactly what's going to happen. When Jesus will come back, he's not going to be in a poor, marginalized, small town of Nazareth, but he will come back in power with a sword, wipe all evil from the earth, and establish his kingdom, which will be everything we love about the earth and nothing that we hate. It will be wiped free of sin. So that's what Advent is. And from, I didn't actually know what Advent was until I came to Kuwait, because I grew up in a Calvary Chapel denomination. My parents were pot-smoking hippies on the beach who became Christians at this Calvary Chapel, a church on the beach. Tradition was not one of their things, and so I never knew about it. And even growing up in, in another much more strong church, they didn't talk about it until I came to Kuwait. So, oh, Advent's a thing. So we're going we're gonna to talk about this thing, Advent. So we're looking back at Jesus, being reminding, and looking forward. And so we're talking about peace today. Here's what it says. Let's read Luke chapter 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. So what is peace, right? This is the week of peace we're talking about in Advent. There's a couple things in mind. You think of like an absence of conflict, right? Opposite of war is peace, right? Because war... Is it's costly, it's emotional, it's physical, it's economic, it's social. Right? We and we've got wars happening right now. We got war in Ukraine, we got a war in the Middle East, uses up tons of money, energy, there's tons of anger and hostility. Lives are lost, children are lost in these conflicts, and that is terrible. 
right? So we don't want that. Nobody, I mean, at least on paper, people don't, people don't like war, right? On paper, people hate that. And there's not just those major conflicts, but also conflicts with friends, with family, with your job, with church, right? We have to, I mean, I just, my life's like a living illustration. I just had to deal with some conflict. And conflict is usually misunderstandings, right? Different cultures, different backgrounds. <laughs> Nobody likes to do that. I mean, there's a, there's a handful of people I've met in my life that actually enjoy conflict, but those people are super broken, right? I knew one guy, he's like, he's in the middle of fighting. He looked over and he said, I love this. And I'm like, you are crazy. Because most of us, most humans don't like conflict. Because it's painful, it's, it's difficult, it's anxiety-provoking. People want to live in harmony with one another. But I think peace is also more than just absence of conflict, absence of war. It's things being good and whole, being in harmony with the world. Things with going well at your job. Things going well in your community. Things going well in Kuwait with, for you and for, for all of us. That you are not just, there's not an absence of war, but there is actually life, right? That your relationship with your spouse is life-giving, right? With your children is life-giving. With your job is life-giving. That is what the peace that God is talking about. That is a piece. It's not just absence of this, but it's, it's full of this, all this good stuff. And, I, and church, I, CAC is a great place of peace because there's just great conversations, warm smiles, handshaking, hugs, all those things. It's such a warm place, and I love it. And peace also means peace with God, our Savior. You know, we want to feel loved unconditionally loved by him loved by your heavenly father and we even say things with peace you know on people's tombstones you say rest in peace tombstones in the west say that because there's a lack of peace because people we all know that life is full of conflict and it often ends in suffering and pain that's why tombstones say rest in peace because the conflict stops at death, or at least people assume that. And they just hope for peace in the afterlife. But hope is not always a great strategy, right? Just hoping that things go well after you die. And this is my big idea for the sermon today, is that Christ, Jesus Christ, enables us to receive, cultivate, and make peace. Jesus Christ enables us to receive, cultivate, and make peace. So first, we receive peace from God. So the angels, you see what's happening. They appear to the shepherds, right? Shepherds are not, you know, look at the Bible. talk about shepherds a lot, but in that society, first century Palestine, shepherds were the lowest of the low. They were dirty. They were smelly. They were ostracized from society. These were not like, they were not, it's not a glamorous job. These were not the actors of their day. They had the worst job. They could not even, their friends were the sheep. 
right? And they didn't talk to other people very much. It was a, just a difficult, dirty, physical job. Obscure people, right? That's why God talks about, you know, we are sheep and he is the shepherd because shepherds, their only friends were the sheep most of the time. And then you have this angel. So you can see the contrast here, right? Obscure, lowest of the low in society, struggling to get by, by themselves, walking around, being up at night, and then an angel comes, a spiritual being, right? Perfect. Made by God. Incredibly beautiful. Sometimes they take human form. Right? You know, it says in Hebrews, you know, be careful who you entertain because you might be entertaining angels unaware. And then, so the angel's telling them about this, this who's coming and what this means. And then you see 10,000 plus angels. Like this, you see like the, a piece of the puzzle is pulled back. Like a piece of the, the, the layer on top is pulled back. You see the spiritual realm kind of just open up. I don't know exactly how it happened. But then you see a 10,000 angels singing glory to God in the highest. Just this incredible, it must have just completely exploded their brains, right? They probably had no, there's not anywhere in their framework, even as believing Jews. Unspeakably beautiful and wonderful and incredible. It's a spiritual reality. And he says, they say, they sing... Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, in the translation you read from the kids, it says on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's a traditional. This version is a little more accurate. Some, most oldest manuscripts say this one, right? Peace among those with whom he is pleased. So it's actually not really, you know, we think of this phrase as like a general peace towards people, absent conflict. No, this is actually much more specific to a certain kind of people, not just a general peace to all people on earth. It's a peace to those who please God. It's like a peace offering God gives. I, you know, when I get in a fight with my wife or something and I knew I was wrong, what? Or <laughs> I knew I was right, but this is not going to work. So I need to admit that I'm wrong. I try to bring flowers or something nice, or even just say I'm sorry. That's like your peace offering to reopen the conversation, right? That's what God brings with the birth of Jesus. He brings a peace offering because it's, it's not just to everyone. And how do we please God? Is the question. How do we please Him? Well, it's it's pretty simple. We need to believe in Him that He came, that He lived. He died, he rose again, and trust him. This is the whole point of the angels appearing to these shepherds. They're saying, they're highlighting someone is here, and this person is going to change everything. And I'm going to throw this out to you shepherds first, one of the first, 
So that it's, it's, it's a clear announcement. They, and, they, and how do they respond? They are excited, right? They say, let's go see this thing. And they left, right? You overlooked this being 19 and 20, right? Let's go see this thing. And then right after they saw it, and then they, that wasn't even discussed. And the shepherds returned, right? So they saw him, they come in, and they said they were glorifying and praising God. Because something had happened, something came over them, not even discussed in the text. But they came back different and transformed. Just like last week, the Magi who saw Jesus, they worshipped him. Right? The Magi worshipped Jesus and gave gifts. And these shepherds also go glorifying and praising God after seeing Jesus and love him. So we have peace with God when we please him. We have peace with God by loving his son. I want peace with my family. Otherwise, I'm miserable. To have to, to, to have peace, I need to please my spouse. I need to please my children. Not appease them, but you want to do things for their best interest, for your friends, right? You want to do what's not just in my best interest. I want to do this, and this is what I'm going to do. You can join me if you want, right? You ever feel that way sometimes? I absolutely do. I was like, no, yeah, I really want to go shopping this weekend. You know? And you say those things, you want to spend time with them. You want to please them. And therefore, that gives you peace in the relationship. So if we want peace with God, what do we need to do? We need to worship and believe and trust in Him. God sent Jesus for a specific purpose, to reconcile us with God. We were enemies of God because of our own rebellion. So we have the the Burger King motto, right? Which is what? Anybody know what the Burger King motto is? I heard some mumbles. Have it your way. That is the human condition when we're born. I want it my way. And Burger King, great marketing, right? It's a pure sinful nature. Have it your way. Absolutely. That's how we all are. We want everything to be our way and do it the way we want it. I don't want to do it anybody else's way. I want to do it my way. And that is the nature of rebellion. Because God says, this is the way to life. This is the way to happiness. This is the way to joy. If you look at Nehemiah, we just talked about, they all initially said, yeah, we want to do it your way, God. We're in. All in. Well, then a couple chapters later, no, we wanted, We did it all our way. We broke all those rules. We're doing it our way. And they suffer the consequences. And so will we. God has every right. Now this is, let me be clear. God has every right to send every one of us to hell. Because we have lived by nature and by choice to do things our own way. Even if you were saved as a child and you're like, oh, I was a pretty good kid. There are things in our thoughts and our behaviors and our lifestyle that are wrong. That displease God that please ourselves, the having our way mentality. But God, because of his great love and mercy towards us, he made a way through Jesus. Jesus came to earth. God came in human flesh. 
not just a baby, but God as a man. He lived among us. He loved us. He understood our burdens because he went through them. He lived. He was poor. He was marginalized. But he still perfectly obeyed God's rules and laws. And then he died on a cross. Not just because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but because Jesus said, I'm going to die for these people. Because I love them. Even though I'm your enemy. We were enemies with God before we were Christians. So even while we were enemies, God says, Jesus says to you, I love you. And because of this, I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. He was punished for our sins. There's a physical punishment of torture on the cross, lasted hours, agony, and spiritual punishment because God turned his face away from his own son and gave him the punishments that we deserve. So all that time in hell that we are supposed to spend of disobeying God, God put, compressed that and put that on Jesus for all the people, all the billions of people from his resurrection until his return was pushed and put on Jesus. That's why he suffered. That's why he was in agony. So for my sin and your sin, he died. For my sin and your sin, he was punished. For my sin and your sin, he was rejected by God for that time. And he rose again on the third day. To show this is a real sacrifice, and I proved it by coming back to life. And I show what life is going to be like for all those who believe in me. God loves you. But because of your sin and my sin, he cannot tolerate that. It's intolerable to him because he is a good and holy and perfect God. <coughs> God is not a hater. God is not, does not use pornography. God does not yell at his employees. God is not cruel. But we all do those things. God cannot tolerate them. Because of Jesus Christ and what he did, he made a way for us. So we can, when God looks at me, when he looks at you, what does he see? He sees Jesus. The perfect life of Jesus says, Chris, I love you. Even though you have failed so many times and you continue to fail, you have failed in the past, you're failing now in some aspects, and you will continue to fail until you are regenerated in heaven. God says, I see Jesus all the way through that. This is the good news. This is why Christmas is a celebration. Because this is great news for us. I mean, imagine. It's like being a parent. You know, I was just thinking about this this morning. My older son, he has been real moody. Real attitude. And, you know, he'll let him watch some TV. And he'll say, yes, time to turn it off. And he will sometimes, sometimes have a tantrum. Scream at us. Say, I hate you. And then go to his room. And my first thing thought is, let me get let me get a paddle, okay? And I'll explain to him through that paddle that that is not the right behavior. But because I love him so much, I go to him, even though he said those horrible things to me, I sit in his bed, I tell him I love him, 
and there's a talk about what he did wrong but I just continue to love him through it that's how God is to us we said I hate you we slam the door in God's face and God pursues us by sending his own son to suffer in our place that is the great news of Jesus so he made a way he died to make a way for us not every way to be clear not every way leads to heaven not every path goes towards the same mountains that is a lie that is false jesus said i am the way the truth and the life it's only jesus if you are not sure that you have a personal relationship with jesus christ as your savior and lord please i beg you i plead with you to see me see somebody in this church because that is the only way we get into heaven that is the only way we have a relationship with God is through Jesus. Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. So anyone who believes in him can have peace with God. If you do not know Jesus, you are at war with God. And you will lose. You will lose in life. You will absolutely lose in death. But you can have that peace right now. You can have peace with God. That is, the, that is the biggest thing that we need is peace with God. More than any, any absolute conflict on this earth, your relationship with God, your peace with God is fundamental. It is incredibly important. Jesus paid that price. This was God's original plan. He created Adam and Eve to live in perfect harmony with himself. Right? Adam walked in the cool of the garden with God, it says in Genesis, right before sin. And as you're in relation with Jesus, we don't get to fully see God most of the time, but that relationship is restored and it grows and it expands, and you end up walking with God in your life. Amen? Christians who have been around for a while, you know this. This is the good news. So, Peace, you receive peace from God first. That's the most important thing. Second, we cultivate peace in our lives. Peace with God is final. I told you, when you, your whole life, Jesus looks at you and sees the perfect life of Jesus, but it's not fully realized in this life yet. It's not fully actualized. It's like when you get married, right? You say, I do, before you really know that person right the marriage says yes i'm in i'm all in i'm married lifetime death to his part but that's not functionally realized until you go through life with that person right are you with me on that that's how the christian life is as well you say i commit to jesus before you that relationship is quite as strong yet right you start there but you need to realize what it means to have peace in your life through with jesus what does that look like functionally as you go through this life? And in order to increase peace in your life, actual peace, functional peace, you have to do things. You have to follow Jesus, right? Jesus is peace. Another great Christmas verse is in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, which says, for, us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father 
prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So it's expanding, growing peace to Jesus' kingdom, right? And if you're in Jesus, you get to be part of that. And the shepherds saw this peace, but think about it. They were transformed. They had this amazing thing. They sort of go back to their lives, right? Instead of go back to the sheep, they had this experience, right? If you've ever been to a Christian conference, it's very much like that. You go to a Christian conference, it is a great experience with God, but then you come back to your normal life. And like, okay, how do I do this in real life where people are not always nice to me, where there is conflict? How do I do this? Well, we follow Jesus. It means following his words. Jesus is all over every page of the Bible. Clearly, in the Gospel, if you, if you read any book, you're like, I'm not sure what book I should read, start with the book of John, or any of the Gospels. You will clearly see the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. It is also in the Old Testament pointing to him, right? The shadows of these things. Think about Abraham having his morning sac- getting ready to sacrifice his son, which God commanded him, but found a ram in the bush as a savior. Clear point. I can give you, I can spend two hours talking about how the Old Testament points to Jesus. But sufficient, suffice it to say that the Old Testament points in. This verse in Isaiah was written 700 years before Christ, right? The book of Isaiah, 700 years before Christ, talked, that I just read, talked about him being the everlasting father, the prince of peace, and the increase of his government. And peace, there will be no end. There's a billion Christians today, right? So I encourage you, I exhort you to read it, especially this Christmas season. Read through the Gospels. Read about this person that we, you know, we, we praise and we love and we worship. Read through them. And we pray. We ask God, help me to have peace in this relationship. Help me to have peace in this situation. How many have peace with this coworker? God, our prayers are not just for us; it's for Him. He responds and he, he He acts on our behalf, and we worship Him like we did in singing songs. We praise Him, we thank Him, we value Him, we share our lives with God. Yes, we. I struggle like you. I usually ask about the things I need, but also share things that are going well in your life with God. In Christianese, they call that praises, right? Something good happened in your life, share that. Share, share your life with God. Not because it doesn't know. Just like my kids, I know what they do. But tell me how your day was. So I value Him, right? So we, as His children, He wants to hear about us, about our lives, about our day. How can we know Jesus if we don't spend time with him? You can't. Right? My kids, I give them rules, but they know me and they they act like me because I spend time with them. And if we want to be like Jesus and act like Jesus and have peace like Jesus, what do we need to do? We need to spend time with him. Amen? And we do this by, in his word, praying to him, sharing. We will be more like him. 
I promise you, I am more like Jesus than I was five years ago. Very imperfect. But there is progress for all of us to be made. This is an active thing. We think peace is this kind of very passive thing. But to cultivate peace in your life, to grow peace in your life, it is very active. It's hands-on. Because God, I promise you, will give you experiences with conflict and see how you do with them as you spend time with them. He will test you to your limits. But not beyond your limits. So you can know experientially what it's like. We, if we don't pursue him, we can have peace with God and go to heaven. But we can have a life full of conflict and difficulty. I know many Christians who are like, man, their lives are, are there. It's a train wreck. They love Jesus. They might even my own dad was just a man full of conflict in his life. And many others, because they, they didn't pursue Jesus enough. They didn't spend any time with him. We, I want more peace in my life, don't you? Right? So we need to spend time with him. And finally, we need to make peace with others. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So the world gives a peace, which is a false peace, because it's an absence of trouble. Right? We talk about people keeping the peace, like keeping the status quo. Right? That's kind of what that word means. Keeping things as they are, not ruffling or rocking the boat. That's keeping the peace. But Jesus' peace is not like that. It's better than any earthly lack of conflict. Right? He gives us first eternal peace with God and in ourselves. And because of this, Jesus calls us not to be peacekeepers, but peace makers. Peacemakers. Right? Because Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Right? You want to be like Jesus, you want to be a son of God. You need to make be a peacemaker. Because Jesus made peace first, right? He made peace with us first before we pursued him. He pursued us. Right? We respond by saying, yes, I believe. But Jesus is a peacemaker himself. He came to bring peace. So we as believers, we must be the same. Now, I'm not saying go back to an abusive situation or a traumatic situation like and say that's all. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But be clear what I am saying is that, yes, you need to have those hard conversations with people sometimes. Maybe you need to ask for some forgiveness. Or maybe you need to ask for an apology. Right? Either way, even if you are wrong, you're totally right, it's your job to go and say, listen, I thought you were wrong when you did this. I think you need to give me an apology. We need to talk about this. That's what peacemaker is. You make the first move. It's risky. Because keeping things in status quo is easy. Right? You don't have to do anything. It's cool. Let's keep things as they are. But to go to people and confront them, not super fun. But that's what a peacemaker is. They, they create it. Ask Jesus for help. Right? I, I think I've somewhat grown in making peace by self issues with when people make me mad, I get defensive. It's, it's a process, but I try to be faster than I was five, ten years ago to be like, okay, I need to reconcile this. 
Okay, this, this something shouldn't wait. Peacemakers, you don't wait. It's okay, okay, let's resolve this right away. Ask Jesus for help. Pray for peace. Share the gospel is a great way to make peace. You want to bring real peace on this earth? Share Jesus with other people because then they will have peace with God and their lives will be filled with more peace. Sharing the gospel is a way to be transformed into peacemakers. Right? Jesus is the way, is the only way to true peace in this world. Is believing him. And you share him and people believe, plant a seed towards belief, their lives will be transformed. There will be more peace on this earth. People will see our efforts and, and hopefully making as peacemakers, and they will ask us about the hope that's within us, right? As it says in First Peter. And I would love to, more people in my life, and I understand this happens a lot, to ask you, why are you like this? And then we respond, Jesus is the one like this, and we tell you about him. And that's only happens when we make peace with, pe with people around us. So then if you come up in conclusion... The angels announced peace with the birth of Jesus. And we cannot have peace until we receive it from God by repenting and calling upon Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Now once we have this peace, we continue to follow Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, we'll have functional peace in our lives, in the world around us. And then finally... We are called to be peacemakers by making that first move, praying for peace and sharing the good news of, of Jesus' kingdom. Stand up on our feet and we'll pray. God, I thank you that you are the prince of peace and that of the increase of your peace and government, there will be no end. That is great news. I thank you that for all of us who believe you brought peace into our lives with you. And that I see it in, in the faces of the people I know here. That you are, you are bringing functional peace into their lives. Even through the testing of our faith. And I pray that you'd help us, God, to continue to know you and, and follow you and trust you. Especially in this Christmas season. I pray that you'd help me to read through the Gospels. Help this church to read through the Gospels this season. To know about you and that we can grow in peace, and that we can make peace with people, family members, friends, co-workers. If there is any broken relationship, that those who believe in this room would make that peace. Jesus, we love you. We ask for us in your great name. Amen. We're going to do a final song.
Merry Christmas. I'm going to give you the benediction in just a moment. Stephanie's going to come up. She's going to give a few instructions for the bags. Probably it's best to do the bags first and then enjoy cookies. And eggnog. And eggnog, which Maddie herself had made. You've not had an eggnog. eggnog. This is quintessential Christmas for Americans. Non-alcoholic, of course. <laughs> okay, I think I can speak loudly enough. So there are a hundred of these tote bags in the room where the kids are right now, 9C. And there are labels on the tables that says like, take one toothbrush, take one face cloth, take one whatever. So you're gonna fill up this bag um, with almost one of every item. It's labeled, some you take three, some you take two. But most importantly, at the end, we have a little card that says, Merry Christmas, we love because he first loved us. Uh, and on the back, we have it translated into a couple of languages. So you're gonna fill up a bag, put a card inside, and then take it to someone you know in need. The hottest, the gas station, petrol station worker, the street sweeper that cleans in front of your house, someone who you know needs it, um, and just bless them this Christmas. So again, if you, when you go out here, the last room on the left is 9C, go ahead, fill it up, it's a little bit heavy, but I think you're all strong enough to do it. So, thank you. You should take one or take two. Take one, and then if there's, if there's extra at the end, I don't want to have any of the stuff here. So go back through after everyone gets one, and maybe take a second one if you need to. Even if it doesn't have all the items, you can still, I want to use all this, the donated money and, and items to be used for this purpose. Amen? Let me give you the benediction today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace, the peace of Christ. Fill up a bag, get some Christmas cookies and some eggnog. Spend a little extra time. I'd encourage you to spend a little extra time doing that this morning. That's why we're here, right? Amen? Have a great week. God bless you.